And here we are, another edition of the Locked On Sports Minnesota Roundtable. We are going to sit here and discuss. There's no Reggie today, but we got Luke Inman, we got Sam Ekstrom, we got myself, Ron Johnson. We're going to jump into the topics. Well, today, Twins, White Sox. I mean, there's not a lot to talk about besides who won the fight. We're going to talk about the um, Twins report card as well before the All-Star break. What do we think about the Twins? We're going to talk Wolves depth. Is Rudy Gobert enough? I mean, honestly, when you have a big four, I guess you want to call it right now, is that enough to get you a championship when you look at teams like the Cavaliers and the Heat from the past where it was really top dominant? Maybe the Wolves have the secret already or is adding another piece to key? And then we're going to talk MVP odds, of course, and, of course, my favorite topic, Kirk Cousins. Why? Because where does he fall? Is he, does he have a chance to be an NFL MVP either this season or the next before we jump into this NFL MVP conversation, we have a word from our sponsors. Bet Online is your number one source for all betting needs, sports info, and in this time of year, it's Major League Baseball lines. Go find out if the Twins are favorites tonight against the Chicago White Sox after the Thursday night beatdown. Get the latest on esports, MMA, golf, the Open Championship going on right now. Emotional walk down the 18th fairway for Tiger Woods. Had a tear in my eye. Bet Online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news. Head to the website today. Use the mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. And so as we jump into this topic, guys, NFL MVP odds. And Sam sent over some odds right now. Of course, I mean, I don't know, without guessing or without, if you had not seen it, who would you have jumped out the gate and said was the overall odds favorite to start the year? Uh, let's go with Sam first. I would not have said the guy they had as the favorite, and not to spoil it, but it's a Buffalo Bills quarterback. Um, I would not have expected Josh Allen to be be number one. Maybe they assume a little bit of regression for Aaron Rodgers. Maybe they think people are, are tired of Rodgers winning the MVP. Uh, maybe they, they think Mahomes is going to regress without Tyreek Hill. Josh Allen getting the nod as the favorite potentially. And, of course, it's all quarterbacks, right? That's the way it rolls. You got Allen. You got Mahomes. You got Brady. You got Rodgers. If I were a betting man, Luke Edmond, as I pass it to you, I would be looking pretty intently at Herbert and Burrow to emerge and win that thing just because they're the younger quarterbacks on the block. And if they lead their teams to 12, 13 win seasons, which I think that Burrow, I mean, they're both very capable of, um, I think the people will give them a lot of love because they haven't won before. And a lot of times those breakthrough younger players are the ones that capture that award. Yeah, I too was a little surprised. Rodgers coming off back-to-back -back MVP seasons to not find him number one on the list. But the guys you want to bet on, in my opinion, are the guys that can not only win both through the air and on the ground because that helps inflate those stats, but guys that can win you games single-handedly no matter who they have as their weapons. That's why Josh Allen's the heavy favorite. And even at 7-1, to one, I think he's pretty good value because the offense runs through him. There's no superstar running back or offensive line or tight end. He's got digs, but besides that, no elite playmakers. Aaron Rodgers coming off back-to-back -back MVPs, as mentioned, another great value at 10-1 to one because now, without Devontae Adams, if he can go out and produce similar numbers, you're going to be forced to have to look at him and say, okay, he's the one that adds the most value to their offense. It wasn't Devontae carrying the load and just making him look good. And finally, 
Where in the Lord is Lamar Jackson on this list? Something like, what, 20 to 1? That's insane value to me because, first of all, he's already won one before, and he's going to have a shot to do it again by the time this is all said and done because of the way the entire offense runs through him and the fact that by the end of the year, he's going to have close to 1,000 yards rushing. It makes it tough to say without him, another guy could have similar success. For me, he's easily the best value bet, in my opinion, when I just kind of scan this list top to bottom. Yeah, and so I, I like both of those takes. I, I do see Lamar Jackson probably pushing the envelope this year. Why? Because everybody's already disrespecting him. I mean, if you go on Twitter right now, he's getting into a fight with a former Viking on Twitter, going back and forth with him because that guy clearly has maybe down-talked Lamar since he became a Raven. Um, you know, he did win a Super Bowl. I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now. But, I mean, him and Lamar Jackson have gone back and forth. Lamar Jackson has talked about his tweets, talk, you know, questioned his manhood. I mean, there's a video out from when he was with the Chiefs, uh, Pollard. That's what I think it's Marcus Pollard or something Pollard. Um, he was with the Chiefs, and he, he did like this stripper twerk dance in the locker room with the Chiefs <laughs> with a room bunch of dudes. So a little bit questionable. And I know like Lamar Jackson is, is commenting on that too. Like any dude that's twerking in the locker room, like you can't talk to me. I, I've won an MVP. I've done this before. Like, no, I haven't won it because he's like, yeah, I won a Super Bowl. He's like – Dude, you won a Super Bowl because of Ray and Ed Reed. That's what Lamar Jackson's telling this guy. So Lamar is like, and then, I mean, his teammates are, are getting, but Rashad Bateman is tweeting out to Lamar, talking about he's, you know, I can't believe he's going at him like this. Uh, he's killing this dude. Um, you know, it, it, people are jumping on Lamar's train saying, hey, who is this guy to be talking about Lamar? So Lamar has supporters as well, even current players, because the comment the guy made was that no receiver wants to come play with Lamar Jackson. And I'm like, that's going a little too far. He's saying, man, it's it's well known within the league, which I don't think it is. Uh, but he's saying it's well known within the league, you know, hashtag air quotes, um, that that receivers respect his game, but they don't want to come play for him. That's why Hollywood Brown left. No, I think the question is Hollywood Brown just left. And so now that's kind of a narrative that he's trying to create that isn't really there. Because Hollywood Brown just felt like this is not an offense that's going to always look to throw the ball on first down, second down. This is an offense that's going to run the ball, uh, maybe run some kind of read option with Lamar. Let's get a guaranteed play that Lamar can get us seven to eight yards if it's an RPO or a PRO, which is a pass, then a run, meaning back up. If it's not there, you go. Because if there's nobody spying you, you go. And so it's a narrative that's being created and talked about that I don't think is really there. So if Lamar Jackson is 21 to 1 or 20 to 1, I would just take that as a value bet. Now, this is the one that's perplexing to me, though. Joe Burrow, 13-1, and no Matthew Stafford. Like, Matthew Stafford won the Super Bowl over Joe Burrow, so an Odell Beckham can still become a Ram. The Rams' defensive line is still number one in the NFL with Aaron Donald. Uh, you still have the same quarterback. You know, you still have Cooper Cup. You still have Van Jefferson. So uh, there's something to that there, too. I mean, you still have Sean McVay. Uh, Odell Beckham, they were already good before Odell Beckham. Like, Odell Beckham didn't even play in the Super Bowl. So I, I think that's – they're overlooking that, that Matthew Stafford – maybe they're saying Cooper Cup is Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford didn't make him that way. I don't know why he's not on this list. Like, I would put Matthew Stafford ahead of Russell Wilson. Like, that's what's crazy to me. Um, I'd probably put him ahead of Joe Burrow just because he's the Super Bowl champ. Um, but, yeah, like, Josh Allen and me, I, I honestly, like, I would have probably had – uh, just if I wanted a dark horse, I'm going to go with Joe Burrow because he came off a Super Bowl loss, but
but he still has two great receivers, one in Jamar Chase, one in T. Higgins, and they still have a passing game that's elite with Zach Taylor. Um, you know, Jamar Chase rookie. So Jamar Chase's rookie year, if you look at what Justin Jefferson did, and then you look at Justin Jefferson's second year, if if that's anything telling you, Jamar Chase is about to go off. Like these mm-hmm. two are special LSU receivers. Like Odell Beckham is special. Jarvis Landry was good, but Odell Beckham was special. Jamar Chase and, 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 and Justin Jefferson are special. And so the fact that Joe Burrow still has all his pieces pretty much that he needs, I don't know why Joe Burrow is so low. Like I would drop, like Tom Brady, we talked about uh, his two receivers, but he doesn't have Gronk. You know, now could they get Kyle Rudolph? Maybe. Because we heard what Kevin Seifert said, that he doesn't think Kyle Rudolph is the fit for the Vikings because they want Irv Smith to have a wide runway to go be a, a star or a key piece of his offense. Pat Mahomes losing Tyreek Hill, I think that is huge. Like, I don't think he's going to be close to what he was without Tyreek Hill because if you think about a lot of his crossing routes, it was crossing routes that would get him 80 yards sometimes from Tyreek Hill. That's what's going to be missing. Like, yes, he made some ridiculous throws across the field to Tyreek Hill, but again, nobody has that speed. Nobody has that ability. But also, it's crossing routes that he would chuck the deuces up because we know Antoine Winfield was part of that. So, yeah, I, I'm with you guys on that one. It's a little bit perplexing with how they did the list. Josh Allen, maybe it's just because Stefan Diggs and, you know, you have to put somebody out there. And Buffalo Bills fans are crazy. So maybe they're just trying to, you know, hammer it early so the Buffalo Bills fans, you know, are excited about Josh Allen being a favorite and then they take that 7-1. to one. That's again, I think that's just Vegas trying to do what Vegas does best, which is let's find the suckers. <laughs> like that's an easy way to get Buffalo Bills fans <laughs> excited because they jump off tables and try to kill themselves. So why wouldn't they bet seven to one on their man, Josh Allen? But that's just me. Um, here's another question for you two about this topic, though, before we uh, go yeah. into the next one. Last one. If there was a guy we talked about Kirk Cousins, if there was a guy on this list that you would put ahead of Kirk Cousins, who would it be? Or sorry, you put Kirk Cousins ahead of on this list. Who would it be? And for for the record, Kirk Cousins fifty to one odds plus I'm five thousand. Ron, I know you've got a bet slip under your pillow, Ron. It's in you're in your sock drawer. You're just holding on to it. You don't want to talk about it. I know that, but I'm sure you have a bet 5, Yeah, I might have to go make that bet. Yeah, those are pretty juicy odds. Um, who would I put him above? That's interesting. Um, I think the. Well, so he's not on the list, but Kyler Murray I'm seeing on this is plus 1,800. I would probably put him above Kyler Murray. Would I put him above Prescott is the question. I don't know how long that Dallas offense is going to be elite. I feel like that offensive line is just a little bit worse than it used to be. Ezekiel Elliott is a little bit older than he used to be. The playoff losses are mounting. The Mike McCarthy effect is in full bloom, I think, bringing that offense backward. So... I, I do wonder sometimes if Prescott gets too much love because he's on America's team. Would he get the same amount of respect if he was on another franchise? I don't know. Nope. That's that's someone that I'm a little lukewarm on, and I, I would put Kirk Cousins right there with him. Yeah, that, that's you, a tough one. Here's how I like to think about it. If you took that guy out of the lineup, now what does the team look like? How does the offense perform? How big's the drop-off? The bigger the drop-off, the more value that starter adds. You know, mm-hmm. when it comes to Kirk Cousins, just real quick, he doesn't show anything that would suggest he's going to be creating and extending plays outside the pocket or manufacturing extra yards with his legs or adding, you know, extra value outside the confines of the play drawn up. And when you've got guys like J.J. and Dalvin, 
both top five in the league at their respective positions, it almost makes it more difficult to win the MVP because of the value those guys bring to the table as well. Took Kirk Cousins out and put in even, you know, just an above average backup like Colt McCoy, who came in for Kyler Murray last year. I think he even won a game or two. He would be able to have at least some success with these weapons. And that makes it tough to build a strong case for Kirk and the extra value he brings. So um, who would I put above? Yeah, I, I could see maybe Dak because again, same case for Dak. He's got such a great offensive line. Cowboys have had a top 5-0 line for like a decade, it seems like. And then you got two great running backs, C.D. Lamb and a couple other weapons, Dalton Schultz, you name it, good defense. I think of that list of guys that you showed, I don't think I can put him above Russell, but Tyler Murray would be another one again because we saw Colt McCoy come in. There wasn't that big of a drop-off in play. And then maybe Dak Prescott. This list, I'm going to do it. I'm putting him ahead of Dak Prescott. This is why. Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush threw for 325 yards against the Minnesota Vikings. So clearly the offensive line, like you said, is great. The running backs, good. Great. I mean, Ezekiel is great. Uh, Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb, great. Now they don't have Amari Cooper, so I'm putting him ahead of that. Like he only has CeeDee Lamb. Like that's it. So I'm putting him ahead of that. Like Russell Wilson with, 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 with uh, what's his name, Jerry Judy? Court, Courtney, Cortland Sutton? Sutton? Yeah, that, that can be scary. We can see because he, he did some good things with DK Metcalf. Corden Sutton is about the same size, so that high ball is going to be there. Jerry Judy is a ridiculous route runner, and we know Russell Wilson can create time in the pocket and, and move and make those throws. So that could be scary, but the defense for the Denver Broncos is not the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks were not good the last couple of years. We know that defensively like they were with the Legion of Boom, but they still were good. They still had Bobby Wagner. They still had Puna Ford. They still had those guys getting after it. And so when you look at that Seattle team, Everybody always wondered who was the Super Bowl was predicated to and who's that success? Was it the defense and that uh, that identity? Or was it Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch? So I got to put them there. But yeah, Herbert, Burrow, Aaron Rodgers, Brady, Mahomes, and Allen. It's tough to put Kirk Cousins. Not tough. I, I can't put Kirk Cousins in front of them. But I definitely can put him in front of Dak. Like I, I think Dak is, is, is benefiting from that line. And so as we move on to the next question, the Wolves. They sign Austin Rivers. Is that a good enough job? Um, you know, to, to get the depth back. Because we talked about Rudy Gobert, you got Carl Anthony Towns, you got Anthony Edwards, you got D'Angelo Russell, and then you got McDaniels. Is that five? Now you add Austin Rivers. Is that good enough? Now, this is one thing I'll say about Austin Rivers. He's not a daddy's money guy. But it, it, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, is Austin Rivers in the league because of daddy? Probably. Like, I don't know if Austin Rivers, with if his name was like Timmy Smith, if he's going to be in the league this long. Like, I think they're giving him credit to sit on some benches and come in and play some key minutes. But this is one thing I will say. He doesn't take crap. Like, he is willing to get pissed off and do some things and and, and be like a little pest. Um, not Patrick Beverly-like, uh, more Chico DeBarge, uh, you know, but he, he can be a pest. Uh, he He's he's the guy that, like, is just like, ah, like, is he really, like, why? what is he doing? Why is he in my way? Um and so maybe, like Austin Rivers does serve as give you minutes, you know, as a shooting guard and come in as a point guard as well. I just don't know if he's that true piece, if, you know, dad really helped him out and keep him in the league, or is he that guy? Like, is he that guy? He was that guy in college. We know that. But is he that guy? Can he help out the, the, the Wolves? Maybe he can. I do think they need one more, like, solid, like, long stretch guy, like, like a Kevin Durant. They can't get him, but I think they need that guy next. I think they need a long 
body to be able to come in. And we know Jaden McDaniels can probably guard Kevin Garnett, Kevin Garnett, Kevin Durant a little bit. Um, but that's the guys I'm thinking about. Who's going to guard that type of guy? Um, can Rudy Gobert guard Chet Holmgren? Probably. Um, Chet's not going to bang him. But, you know, where's Rudy? does Rudy want to play that far out? You know, is that more of a Carl Anthony Towns now goes to Chet because he's bigger, stronger, and he can move better? That's my thought there. What do you guys think about the Austin Rivers addition? Yeah, so number one, I think of Austin Rivers and I think of like 2011 Duke UNC. I think of his last second shot to win that game, and I think about how that really was the high point for Austin Rivers. I mean, it's been 10 years in the NBA, and my, my head is spinning looking at his NBA reference page because he's been traded so many times. He's played for so many teams. It's hard to keep track of where he's been and what he's done. But he is a role player. Uh, he was at his best when he played for his dad in L.A., and he has not reached mm -hmm. double-digit points per game since. He is going to come off the bench and hopefully provide you with six, seven points, and you hope he can play a little defense because that's what this team needs on the perimeter. This is the one piece of the, the offseason, though, that I disagree with for the Timberwolves. And I've said this mm -hmm. on this show before several times. You still haven't added any front court depth. You exchanged Vanderbilt for Gobert, and you traded Walker Kessler, your first-round pick. Who is going to fill in if somebody gets hurt? If Carl Anthony Towns misses 20 games, I mean, who's your four? Right? Are you going to go small plus go bear? Are you just going to go small all the way around the perimeter and have one big guy? I mean, Nas, I know Nas Reed exists too, so he's your one like piece off the bench who can come in and be big. I think they need another big man, and maybe there's still time to do that, but they've signed now Kyle Anderson, Bryn Forbes, Austin Rivers. None of those guys are going to bang in the paint. I mean, you, you got to have, I think, one more big body and maybe it's a veteran minimum contract. Maybe they find someone off the street in August or September. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't love the front court depth, even though they've obviously upgraded with Gobert. The number of bodies they have at that position is still pretty low, and that was a problem they had last year. Yeah, not going to lie. You guys know I'm not the NBA expert like you two, but when I saw this trade go down, first thing I thought was, oh, my <laughs> God, that is a lot of depth that just poof disappeared. It, it worried me quite a bit at first, but they still got Nas Reed, McLaughlin, Prince. I love the Kyle Anderson signing as that new crafty vet. And I think they think they may have something in Wendell Moore and Josh Minot, which should tell you something. And now you add Austin Rivers into the mix. All in all, what felt like a major concern for me now feels like something where you've got enough pieces you can manage and play around with, especially at the end of the day, you have that starting five and those three superstars. I think they'll be just fine. I really do. If they do falter, I don't think we'll be sitting here saying it was because of the depth. Yeah, and 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 I forgot you brought up a good point. I forgot about Wendell Moore Jr. I do like him. I love him. Like I, I love his game. I love his grit. Um, he he has that dookie in him. You know, he has that that duke. Like ah, I I could be a jerk sometimes if I have to be. I can be a, a menace when I need to be. Um, so I do like that part of his game. Uh, where I'm, again, I, this the, today's NBA, and I I I, I truly believe this. You don't need a point guard at all times. I mean, you see the Suns, uh, which they might lose DeAndre Ayton if they don't match that $133 million uh, offer sheet. Uh, that would be, I mean, I say huge, but that would be cool for the for the uh, Wolves because now the Suns are knocked down a peg. Like, you lose DeAndre Ayton, they're back to their, they matched you know. It. They matched it. They did match it. Okay, so they, they matched it today. Match I know it. they have 48 hours, so they got it today. Got yep, it. So I they're think, getting yep, them back, I think they got in there. 
dang it. I wonder if, if, if they have a chance to make him another offer to say, okay, you match this, match this, $200 million. Um, But, you know, good for DeAndre Aiden. He gets $133 million now. He gets his match sheet from the Suns. He gets to stay. Um, that shows his value, though, because I know originally that was a part of the thoughts of some of these trades of getting Kevin Durant. Like, let's give up Aiden for Durant and some picks. Um, so, truly, he is he's wanted by some teams. I mean, he's played well. He's big. He's strong. Um, so, when you look at that now with, with the, the Timberwolves, if you think about those pieces with the Suns, there was times when Chris Paul was hurt and they got through it, but they got through it after the fact, like meaning they struggled at first and then they're like, wait a minute, Chris Paul just brought the ball up the court. What can we do to kind of switch that up? And that was Cam Johnson, uh, uh, Payne. They found ways to get some, 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 some production out of other guys. And so when I say that, I see a guy like Wendell Moore, and if he's in the backcourt with Anthony Edwards, I truly believe it can work. Because if he's up, like when you watch him play with Duke, like he's a guy that brought the ball up the court and he would just knock down a three if his defender backed up too far trying to worry about the paint. Because they had some bigs in there with Theo John and, and you know, some of the other pieces they had to deal with on Duke with uh, Paulo Bancaro, that absolute monster. I love his game. Um, and so when you think about that, when you think about the fact what Wendell Moore can do, he's almost like a D'Angelo Russell without the drama. And I mean drama from when he was younger and he, he ratted out his homeboy uh, to Iggy Azalea. But Wendell Moore is pretty much a D'Lo without the title of point guard. Like he's, he's long, he's tall, he can, he can guard anybody on the court as far as point guard to, to, to small forward. And so now he adds that pick and pop matchup where it's like, if you set a pick with your three, I can leave him. If you set a pick with your four, I pro he's probably okay for it. Like, he can guard Draymond Green. So, I, I do like that. And I'm only going West because that's who they're going to – that's what they have to – that's what they have to try to jump to get into this number three spot, number four spot. And so, I do like that move. I, I think their depth is okay. I do still think they need one more guy. Like, whether it's a Draymond Green type of guy or a Kevin Durant, you know, watered-down version. But they need another forward to kind of really be another piece because that's where the West really – comes through is those wings and the guys that shoot it's not so much guards it's Devin Booker's it's the you know the, the Clay Thompson's like you need a wing player uh a wing defender I think they have enough scores they need a wing defender to add so when they those guys need a breather they're not getting points put up on them but we're going to move on to the twins all-star break grades before we jump into that we have another word from our sponsors thanks Ron Blue Nile is your tool to use if you have a special occasion maybe you're going to pop the question maybe you've been in that position maybe you're about to be in that position and you're a little uncomfortable going into the jewelry store and and having to talk the lingo of engagement rings that can be a little daunting well if you use the genius bluenile.com tool uh, you can help find the correct clarity, the correct cut, the correct color, the size, the shape, and the style. And then Blue Niles Bench Jewelers will handcraft that perfect engagement ring uh, just like that. It's fantastic. So if you're looking for fine jewelry, but if you're having trouble choosing, Blue Nile also has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find that memorable gift. So make that moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. Lockdown Sports listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement, so use code LOCKEDON 
Code locked on. Every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging. Shop stress free. Find your forever peace at BlueNile.com today. So we're going to talk about this Twins report card. We can merge this with the last question, and I do have a bonus question at the end. Um, But the Twins report card, all-star break. I'm going to start off. I'll say hitting was an A-. I'll say pitching was a C. And then I'll say managing I'm 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 like it, I think it's uh what's that word uh when you don't finish your class incomplete I'm gonna give them an incomplete for managing, um the reason I say this is because they lost a coach, so we don't really know what the what what the what that's gonna mean for them you know skeletons bodies all that stuff comes out when the season ends so that's why I got to give them an incomplete on managing at least right now because some of the stuff comes out after the fact whether it's a disgruntled pitcher that gets traded or gets cut. Uh, whether it's a, a big-time win and they're finally in the playoffs and they can finally start to comment about their pitching coach leaving. There was something to that that maybe we're not getting the whole story. And I'd love to, you know, like when Mike Zimmer, like everybody had all these feelings about Mike Zimmer, but they never said anything until he left. Like when he was here, all the players just talked about how great his defense was. And, you know, um, but you know what? The one thing I do notice now, when Mike Zimmer was here, coach, players never really talked about how great of a coach he was. Like they really didn't. Like, they didn't say, like, oh, yeah, we love – like, Belichick, they praise him. Bruce Arians, coach, people love him. Andy Reid, uh, Bien-Ami, uh, Zach Taylor, Sean McVay, LaFleur, Shanahan. Like, those guys get – Pete Carroll, like, he's always on – and, of course, he's a social media guy, but he's always in practice trying to have fun. Frank Wright, you see him. You never really saw, like, Zimmer special moments with his players. You saw Zimmer love Deion Sanders – like Deion Sanders and Zim, like if Deion played for him still, like Deion would speak highly of him. But the current players, you rarely saw interviews where they ended it or started it with the like, yeah, coach did a great job with this. Or yeah, I'm really having fun with, you know, like it wasn't that. So maybe we didn't read the tea leaves well enough. Um, but I wonder about the twins. Like we're going to get more info about that. But that's my grade for them. I'm going to go A, C minus and then incomplete for managing. Yeah, I- I have a hard time with these because I look at the stats for hitting. Twins are seventh in average, fourth in on base, sixth in slugging, and I still don't trust them. I still don't trust (laughs) the bats. They they disappear far too often for my liking. I think it was last week they they flashed the stat, like most shutouts, most times shut out this season. Mm -hmm. Twins were like tied for first. They've They've had too many games, and last night's another example where they put men on base and they can't get them in. The clutch hitting on this team leaves a lot to be desired. Byron Buxton, you're down by one. You're still very much in this baseball game. I think it was fourth or fifth inning. Byron Buxton leads off with a triple, the fastest guy on the team, and you can't get him in. All you need is a lousy sack fly. You can't get him across. Multiple guys left on base multiple times. And that, to me, felt like a microcosm of a lot of games this season. Now, I know they explode sometimes, and Luis Arise really helps these averages because Arise is getting hits every single day. But the hitting, to mm-hmm. me, still, there's another level at which to go. I think it's a B, B-. minus. Pitching is regressing. You know, they started out top 5, top 10. Now they're down to 13th in ERA, 13th in opponent average. And the bullpen is worse than the starting pitching. So the pitching to me is a C minus with as many games as they've blown when the game was on the line and they couldn't finish the deal that cost them in my grading book. So I'm being a pretty tough grader here and uh, the managing is tough because I think Rocco has been put in tough spots with injuries. He's been forced to make some really difficult decisions and elevate players who maybe weren't ready to be elevated. 
Um, so I'm going to have a little forgiveness for him on those fronts, but there have been some wacky decisions in game two that, that bug me. So I'm going to go B minus for Rocco's managing. Reggie and I talked about this a little bit last week on our show. And it's interesting because when it comes to hitting, it just feels like if you're not talking about one of the big three, Buxton, Correa, or Arise, there's not that much meat on the bone, not that much excitement or flashy talent. But in actuality, that's not really the case. The team statistically, like you mentioned, Sam, top 10 in runs, batting average, slugging, ranks fourth in the entire league with on-base percentage. Jorge Polanco leads the team, 45 ribbies. And on any given night, you just got these handful of young guys stepping up that are all kind of flashing something that gives you just a lot of hope for fans for the future. Miranda with the walk-off versus Milwaukee, he's been on fire. Kirilov has been on a tear since he was brought back up. Garlic, Celestino, Larnick, Nick Gordon, they've all kind of been the glue in between the cracks of this offense and help turn this, you know, into a well-rounded lineup top to bottom. I think my knee-jerk reaction is to give him a B from the games that I've sat down and watched, looked at the box scores I've scanned. But when you look at them statistically and where they rank in so many categories, I'm going to nudge it up to a B plus. But you mentioned a great point, Sam, timely hitting. If they had actual any timely hitting at all, this could be an A- minus or even an A. You look at three of the best teams in baseball, the Yankees, Braves, and Dodgers, three of the best teams when it comes to clutch hitting, yet they all average kind of middle of the pack when it comes to team average. So it's not just about these team averages and statistics, but if you can be a clutch hitting team, timely hitting, you will have great success. And that's just what the Twins haven't done yet. Pitching, I won't go too deep into that. I'll give them a C. I think the starters have been well above and beyond better than the expectations at the beginning of the year, but they're starting to come back down to earth a little bit. Obviously, we know the bullpen without Johan Duran has been a mess. And then the coaching, yeah, coaching's tough for me. I'd like to think Rocco's one of the better young coaches in the league over the last three and a half years, but I do know he's taken a lot of heat for the way he manages his starters in the bullpen. I also saw, I don't know if you guys caught this, ESPN's latest power rankings, they come out with them every week. Twins were ranked 11. Okay, that's great. But all the article wanted to talk about was ripping on Rocco for being the worst coach when it comes to stealing bases, dead last in the league. Mm -hmm. And that trend goes back to even last season. So I'm going to go with the C- minus for coaching when I take all that into account. And what Ron mentioned, the fact that Wes Johnson just decided to pack his bags and bounce middle of the year. That was just goofy as heck, too. So not what you want to see from your pitching coach while you try to hold on to first place in the division. C, C- minus feels about right for coaching. Well, then what do you grade? So let's just let's before we get to the last question, this is kind of the interlude question. What do you grade the fight? So twins get smoked by the White Sox. <laughs> uh, Sam kind of told me the story about the fight because I didn't see that. I fell asleep. Um, <laughs> like, I don't I don't I, I hate baseball fights like some are legit. Like I yeah. did see one the other day where dudes actually like connected and landed some punches. Uh, guy got hit with a ball in the shoulder and then um uh, guy chirped at him, and so you know he just took off running at the pitcher catcher, tried to stop it, you know, and then he connected like a couple times. But what do you grade this fight? Because from what it sounds like, nobody hit anybody. It was just let's come off the bench and look at each other. Let's everybody get out here. If that's the fight, I'm gonna give that a D for dumb. Like I, it's a D for me. <laughs> if that's what it really happened. So what do you guys yeah, grade? The I fight? think it's uh, you gave the coaching run an incomplete. I'm going to give it an incomplete because it's almost like it never really got on track and got rolling all the way. It started. It felt like it was going to get there. Benches cleared, but then nothing happened. Yeah, I'm going to give it a P. I'm going to grade it a P for petty. Um, what are you doing if you're the, the Celestino hits a one foot swinging bunt in front of home plate? Gets tagged out. 
Uh, it's a 10-run game, so you couldn't have any less intensity than that moment. The fans are already home. The fans are, are gone <laughs> and in bed. There, There's no atmosphere in that moment. So what are you doing if you're the White Sox pitcher stirring the pot in that moment? I mean, everybody's just got to go to bed at that point. But then to chirp the hitter... For the benches to clear as if it's some like big emotional thing, it wasn't. There was no moment there to get riled up about. I know it was it was confusing because the game was over, so players were like packing up their bags and the bullpens were had to walk across the field anyway. But then they saw the commotion and they said, "Oh, let's run in there, like we're gonna get in the mix and get a punch thrown." No, it was stupid. It was it was the pettiest, most petulant little display. And I hope I never have to watch it again. So here's my question is, so we got our grades for the fight. We gave them a, a D for dumb, a P for petty, and an incomplete because they didn't touch each other. <laughs> um, but <laughs> here's, here's, here's Justin Jefferson. So a couple of quotes have come out about Justin Jefferson. Here's the quote. He said, I'll say this after, or say, I'll say after this year, I'll be the best receiver in the NFL. I definitely have to give it to Devontae Adams as of now. I feel like I'm going to surpass 1,600 yards too. So I think that'll become, I think that, I think that I'll become the best receiver after this year. Now that's complex sports. So I don't think that's BS. You know, it's a legit article. Um, Justin Jefferson will become the best receiver in the NFL. So best offensive players under 25. This is from CBS. Justin Herbert. Jonathan Taylor, and then Justin Jefferson. They have Jamar Chase in there, CeeDee Lamb, Kyle Pitts, Rashawn Slater, uh, Vera Tucker, Creed Humphrey, love his name. I wish we had drafted him. Uh, J James Daniels, Tristan Wirfs. Uh, so when you think about that list, Justin Jefferson is one of the best offensive players under 25. He's saying he wants to be the best receiver. He said he's going to hit 1,600 yards. Do you think Justin Jefferson can, can do that? Do you think with this offense, Justin Jefferson wants to be the best? He's telling people he's the best. He's not afraid to say he wants to be the best, and he wants 1,600 yards. Can he do it? Why stop there? Why stop at 1,600? That was last year's Justin <laughs> Jefferson. That was Justin Jefferson getting handcuffed by uh, the Kubiak offense. Why not 1,800? If he plays all 17 Well, he said he'll surpass. He said, I'm going to surpass 1,600. So yeah. he did say, I'm going think, over 1,600. I think he's doing that, and I think he's going to surpass 17 and 18 because he's never missed a game. Never missed a game for injury, never missed a game for COVID, and he's durable. So odds are he's going to play most of the games. And if they treat him at all like they did the receivers in that Rams offense, I think he gets there and then some. Now, I, I've got a question or two for the person. Did you say that Jonathan Taylor is ranked above Justin Jefferson in the under-25 so, category? Be yeah, I don't know if it's – yeah, it's not by – it's not in alphabetical order. So, I mean, I don't know if this is the order – but that's the way they're mm -hmm. listed. It's Justin Herbert, Jonathan Taylor, then Justin Jefferson. Yeah, that, that seems maybe it's just not in order because I think that Taylor, like with a better quarterback, the Colts are just going to run less. Matt Ryan's going to throw more. Taylor's going to have lower stats, and then people will, will say, oh, Taylor's dropped off. Well, no, they just didn't run it to him as much. But I think Jefferson is easily going to surpass 16 if he plays the full slate of games. What do you think, Luke? Oh, no question. Keep going. What are we doing? Keep going. I mean, look at Cooper Cup last year, like you mentioned, Sam. Led the league, triple crown, 1,947 yards, 145 catches, 16 touchdowns. And like you mentioned, Sam, this was a, a ultra-conservative Mike Zimmer 
run the ball, play great defense, don't take risks, and they still force-fed him the ball last season under Clint Kubiak. Even with Adam Thielen, Jefferson had 28.9% of Minnesota's targets. That was the third most in NFL. He should be number one in that category going into uh, 2022, I would think, with Kevin O'Connell. So I think you're right. All the expectations, I mean, they can't be higher for Justin Jefferson. Entering his third year, we know that's kind of when it all comes together, you know, in general for wide receivers. He's only scratching the surface, as we know, and I think everybody's just excited to see what he can finally do under Kevin O'Connell's tutelage and play calling as well, and kind of scheming and drawing specific plays up to get him matched up in single coverage when you got Dalvin Cook drawn, eight, nine guys in the box, Adam Thielen, Irv Smith, other guys. I think Justin Jefferson is primed to maybe be the best wide receiver in all of the NFL, and that's better than Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, and even Cooper Cup himself. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because when you look at Justin Jefferson's rookie season, Jamar Chase broke the records because, like Justin said, he played from day one out the gate, number one receiver. Mm -hmm. Justin Jefferson, we know, is behind B.C. Johnson to start the year off, not into the after the Colts game. Uh, when Justin Jefferson got the nod, B.C. had a, a tough Colts game. Uh, so when you think about that, he that was a short a couple games, and he still broke records. And then, of course, you know, now they got broken again. But in the first two seasons, 3,000 yards, one of one. There's no other receiver in NFL history since the merger that's had 3,000 yards in the first two seasons, not Randy Moss, not Odell Beckham, not Jerry Rice. I mean, that's crazy when you look at that number. I mean, the list of names on there alone, um, when you think about who else is on this list, Josh Gordon, Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, and Odell Beckham. Like, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. Take Josh Gordon out of there. <laughs> Jerry Rice, <laughs> Randy Moss, Odell Beckham, and then Justin Jefferson. Nothing against Josh Gordon, but we know what his issues were. I think I do think he truly could have been one of the best receivers uh, to play the game as well if he had, you know, stayed on the field. Um, but that's that's ridiculous when you think about Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, Odell Beckham. Justin Jefferson can say I did something that three Hall of Famers, because Odell Beckham, Odell Beckham is going to be a Hall of Famer, that three Hall of Famers did not do. So Justin Jefferson, at this point, if he continues at this clip. 1,200, you know, 1,400 yards a season for the rest of his career, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, he's a guy, he can Ocho Cinco that thing right now and, and grab a gold jacket and start celebrating with it in his celebrations because Justin Jefferson is a Hall of Famer. Like, he's going to be a Hall of Famer at this clip. Like, at the clip he's at, he can Ocho Cinco that thing and throw in a gold jacket. Well, that'll do it for the Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast Network. That's Superior Sports Talk. We are the Ron Johnson Show. That's Sam Ekstrom. That's Luke Inman. We don't have Reggie Wilson, but he'll be back next week. Hopefully, I'm Ron Johnson. We want to thank you guys for subscribing, downloading, taking us wherever you go. Please continue to do that. Comment, like, share. Tell us what you think. Is Justin Jefferson a Hall of Famer already? Are the twins good? Or what would you grade them? And hey, what do you think about this Timberwolves team? where they stand right now. And is Kirk Cousins NFL MVP, or did they get that list right? Should somebody else have been number one? Let us know what you think. We'll interact with you wherever you want to talk to us. We're there. But thank you guys for listening, and have a great day.